0: From Merrimack, New Hampshire, I'm Brendan, and I'm Mike, co-founder of Abel Ebenezer Brewing Company.
1: Each week, we have a beer and a good time, keeping the discussion on the lighter side. This is the Stimulus Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Stimulus Podcast. I'm Brendan. With me, as always, is Mike. We're here with ultra-marathon runner, hardcore cyclist, Adam Dodge. That's Yay! <laughs> he's here. He's back. Back from Florida. Escaping the back. hurricane. Don't worry, he did quarantine. I know the CDC dropped the rules and everything,
0: but he, mm-hmm. he's fine. At least we think he is. <laughs> Plus, with endurance like that, COVID yeah. doesn't stand a chance. Deep breaths. Deep breaths.
1: Yeah. Absolutely not. Lungs of steel you're
0: over here, guy. You're, you're like the Chuck Norris of uh, New Hampshire. <laughs> Oh, I wish. No, hands down. I wish. I got a little ways to go. That's all right. It's like, how do you quarantine uh, COVID? Put it in Adam's (laughs) house. i don't know <laughs> no it's true though
1: i mean i've never met anyone who's run 100 miles in 24 hours
2: besides adam dodge well i haven't done it in 24 hours yet oh, i so thought that was what it was no, wasn't how it? long no, did it take oh, okay. 25 no, hours no i'm not elite no i've done it in 26 what? that was my oh, dude <laughs>
0: what a all right well that's all you know, the time we have today <laughs> See not, next week with someone right, who no, can do it in 24 hours 26 hours i take back my COVID joke yeah <laughs> That's why COVID's thriving. Well, that's okay. the thing.
2: I mean, you could do it quick. You could do it, say, under 20, 15 hours if you're you know, super fast and elite. Or you could be out there much longer and do it in 30 hours. What's tougher? I mean,
1: I, you know,
2: I, I, sleep deprivation. I mean, it, you know, it's a challenge for everybody. It doesn't matter how quick you're doing it. If you're doing it, that's...
0: Uh, interesting. I never uh, considered the sleep deprivation part yeah. of it. Yeah, Do hallucinations. It, it, yeah, it's a big, it's a big did that thing. that happen? Oh, yeah. Oh, Is it yeah. like a psychedelic experience? Um, Is it like the equivalent of like doing some yeah, things out there? It's, it's, Except you're burning calories? It's weird.
2: I it was actually the first one I did. Um, I did it. So it's a 30-hour cutoff. I did it in 29 and a half hours. So I was really pushing to get it done. And I mean, there's a lot of walking involved. And, and on my last 10 miles, you got to go out, out five and back five. I was with Sean Sullivan, good friend of the, of the program here. He actually came out and helped me finish it up because I was, I was struggling and he showed up at the right time. It was about 4 in the morning. He showed up and he wanted to go out and, and kind of bring me in a little bit. and start definitely starting to hallucinate the sun was just barely starting to peak up going down the trail and i swear to god a trap door opened up under me as as i'm coming along and i yeah I, 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 I went to take a step and this this trap door opens up and i jumped out of the way and jumped into the woods and tripped over myself and just started laughing hysterically and sean's next to me like what the hell is up with this like what what is going on and yeah. To this day, that's the worst one I've had. Is is yeah, trap door on the floor. It's weird, man. You can't describe it when you're out
0: there. It's full disclosure. I would have hated being next to you why you, why that whole thing happened. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> like, it's weird. Like, sorry, Adam, you're gonna die in the woods tonight. <laughs> I'll see you later, bud. I can't yeah. help you. You know, a lot of
2: giggling and and uh, mm. you get really weird. But that's you know that's after. To me, that's after the adventure. I mean, the adventure peaks at night. You get through the night, and you're, you know, it's that's my favorite part. But then you get, you get to the right before sunrise, and all hell breaks loose. It's just your mind plays tricks on you. You're suffering. Your feet hurt. Your legs hurt. It's just it's it's hard to describe. It's just you hit the wall completely doing that, and that's the hardest part to get through. And once you get to the sun rising, you're you're pretty good. So is it more just like like you said, it's a mental exhaustion you got to power through? Yeah, it's definitely a mindset. I mean, it's definitely. when you go out, you have to, to be successful, you have to have the mindset early on that it's just, you got to shut your brain off a little bit. I mean, you definitely have thoughts drifting through. You're listening to music here and there, you know, you're, you're, you're talking to people, but you, you have to have a timeline in your head that this is not going to stop. It doesn't matter how fast you go. I mean, uh, you know, I don't care if I placed first or you know, on that, that first 100 I did, I think I was third to last finishing the 100 mile, but man, I, I did 100 miles. I you know, Jeez, man. ran, I just, walked, hiked 100 miles and, and it's, it's, it felt so good to finish. And just, I, I, had, I actually had a victory Right when I finished. Um, well, that's shot. why. That's yeah. why you have one now. I know. So I know. It was... or
0: we're doing victory nor defeat from Abel Ebenezer. This guy needs needs his uh, carbs. He's got to reload over here. It is the best finishing beer, I will say. It is. It is. So. You know. Well, knowing the, you, the you, you probably rode your bike. You know, hundred miles to get here or something <laughs> like that. So it's yesterday. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, like, do you just pass out then for 30 hours after it? Like, how long did you sleep for? Like, because you you had a victory. That would already knock me out. Two victories normally does that to me. But... Do you just sleep? Like, is that
2: your recovery? Oh, it's tough because a lot of the times I've, you know, I'll schedule work the next day. So um, I think one year I took a, took a day off. That's but then bad I, as life I started planning, getting, dude. Yeah. I mean, Come on. As I started getting used to the impact of them, um, I have to be on my feet because you have to stretch out the next day. So mm. I wouldn't want to work at a job, actually, if I was sitting in a chair all day after a 100-mile run because you, you're going to feel it even more. But no, I mean you know you finish finish the race, and for me the important thing is is actually to stay up. I try to stay up as
0: you know through that day, and you know by the time seven o'clock at night hit, hits, you're out. Well, I know what you mean about not stopping because you know when you're you're talking about. next day at work you want to be on your feet because I actually did run a marathon in college and I remember hitting the wall mile 18 and I made the mistake because it was it was like a there and back and so I touched the marker and I slowed down like I stopped and then immediately like my my legs locked up and then it was painful it took like three miles to kind of get back into it and just kind of fighting through this leg pain so there is something about as long as you keep moving you're good yeah Uh, and
2: that's yeah that's definitely a a learning lesson when you stop at the aid stations you know a lot of these races they have they have aid stations broken up whether it's you know every five miles or you know if it's an out and back or if it's a loop they they have aid stations and it's important you know there's there's a saying that to be a successful ultra runner it's really a competition of eating you know, a lot of people. When you look at the, their body types, and they're it, it's like you're not an ultra runner. I mean, you know, I mean, could you see even heavier set people that right. are successful at it, and not because they're eating so much, but just <laughs> right? You know, that just because it doesn't it doesn't cater to one body type. Mm. You know these these type of events. You know, people do it for the challenge, the mental challenge, and the 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 opportunity to persevere. Um, but it does take a lot of calories out of you. So as you're moving, you have to make sure that every aid station you get to. You're eating something, you know. You're eating, you're drinking. You have enough water, depending on the time of year,
0: the, the the area you're racing in. So, what like percentage of people would you say start the race versus don't finish the race? I mean, is it is it, you know, expected that not everyone's going to make it, or is everyone in such good shape? It reminds me of the story about like ice climbers in Alaska, mm-hmm. and surprisingly, uh, guys that like climb these like frozen waterfalls. There's not a lot of deaths because people won't even attempt it if they don't have that skill level. So is is something like an ultra marathon the same thing where someone doesn't even try it unless they're at that level anyway?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really depends on the event. It depends um, the distances, the type of, I mean, there's, there's big, you know, some of the ultra, the ultra marathon races out West are just so huge. It takes years to get into them. Mm. Um, You know, there's a big one, the Badwater 135 out in, out in death Valley, which is really famous that that takes a long time to get into. And that's, you know, if you're in that, you're you're either gonna drop out because medically you can't finish hmm. um or you just you don't make the cutoff. Right. Um, but the people that get into that are super prepared. The well that's what you know, makes that's what makes the one in New Hampshire so great and um I don't I don't work for this race. I don't I'm not I'm going to promote it. Don't because, lie to us. no, I do not work for this race. Um
0: You're delirious. I, How far act, did you run the day?
2: <laughs> He's on mile ninety eight. So you I just I, need to push him I, to the finish. I, I, <laughs> All right. Full disclosure: I do not work for this race, but <laughs> but I do. Um, I have taken over a couple of years ago the the distribution of the belt buckles for the hundred mile finishers. Um, basically, there's a guy when you when you finish a lot of these races, depending on what race it is, it's it's kind of commonplace that. At their belt buckles. so if you get it to a hundred mile limit you win or you purchase a belt buckle that says hey i've, I've done a hundred miles right that's, that's your
0: trophy do the do the belt buckles get bigger like the more miles you do like a lot somebody of it, does 120 it's like slightly bigger and you're like hey bud some of the races they do leadville's <laughs> big into that you know under 12 hours and leadville's a big deal yeah. um
2: in this race they don't there's one size oh. but you know if, if you finish 100 miles, you have a chance to purchase a belt buckle. So yeah. that, that does go through me, but I, I don't, don't like make that. money I wait. So, It, so, it so. just feels like a participation trophy to me <laughs> at that point. I'm just, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> really. And, and, it, and it kind of is. And it, it kind of is. But those, to me, out of all the races I do, they're the most important because, I mean, how... I, Doing a hundred miles is is still it's still crazy to me. I mean, it really is. I it's, it's not crazy that long to me though, that and,
0: I. Well, yeah. I mean, that's like coming from someone who ran a
2: marathon. And like, you could you could totally do it. I mean, you could. Apps. I think anybody out there, anybody could do a hundred mile run because there is there is a lot of walking involved. There is you know as long as you get it this one as long as you get it done under thirty hours you've completed it and in this race for thirty hours all you got to finish is an eighteen minute mile mm-hmm. for every mile. So. And that's kind of how you have to approach it. I mean, when I go out there, I'm trying to average about a 12 minute mile for as long as I can. And that that includes jogging, then walking, Mm. jogging, then walking, and just doing that so monotonously. What I enjoy about these races is the night. That is, to me, I am so less interested in doing a race that lasts a full day than I am one that lasts a full day and then a night into the next day. Because for me, it's about the adventure and I love the night. If I can get to the night and survive through the night, that's where the fun happens.
0: So, um, is it like pitch black at night? Do they mark the trail? Is it so they do one, it on full moons? Yeah. Like, like we, what's the deal?
2: So this one, so the race that we're, we're discussing, this is the Ghost Train Ultra Race that's in um, Milford, Milford to Brookline, New Hampshire, and it's a it's one of. I think it's the only 100-mile race that still exists in New Hampshire. So it's very big. Um, Disclaimer,
1: Adam doesn't work for I do not work for them.
2: um, But I would love to push their race because it's great. It sells out every year. So when you say very big, like how many people are we talking? They cap it at 300 people. Okay. Um, But there's every year a wait list that's well over 150 people constantly being cycled through wow Um, and what's what makes this race unique and one of the reasons i love it is you can do anywhere from you know the ultra distance starts at 30 miles so you can do a 15 mile race on sunday but on saturday morning the ultra race starts so you start everyone starts at once a big wave of a couple hundred people it's an out and back course and you can do anywhere from 30 miles. In sections of fifteen, so thirty to forty-five to sixty to seventy-five, and then they don't have a ninety. You go right to hundred. So and, and there's good math right there. There you go. I, well, I've, been, I've done the race a couple times. Yeah, do, they, do they call it like a half ultra? They no, an, an ultra is actually anything over a marathon oh, so anything over 26 okay. yeah
0: is is a, was, an ultra I was so, gonna say I hate when they say like half oh I did a half marathon like who yeah. wants to do half of anything it's like I just, feel like also <laughs> call it something else right I mean a 30 mile run is an ultra marathon it's
2: the same as a 100 mile run it's still an ultra mm-hmm. um, you know a 30 mile run will take you a couple hours and a 100 mile run will take you you know a day or if you're fast you know the record for this race is um i believe it's 13 and a half hours damn and yeah these guys
0: so they're it's incredible old, yeah, yeah. So so it's ultra so you're saying so, if i can go back in time instead of running 26.2 miles i did 26.3 i could call myself an ultra marathoner <laughs> <What? hunter> forever <laughs> i think classically they say 30 miles <laughs> is the ultra oh, <laughs> <laughs> But, it, but, one it's, miles but it's interesting
2: because with this race, there's a no drop policy. So people go out there and they say, hey, I'm going to, they sign up for the ultra race, which is anywhere from, like I said, 30 to 100 miles. And they say, I'm going to run 30 miles. And they finish 30 and they say, hey, I still feel good. I have until tomorrow at 3 o'clock to stop. They go out again and do another, you know, out and back. Now they're at 45. And they say, hey, what's this, what's running in the night like? Let's try that out. They go out again. Then they come back and do 60. So it just, It encourages you to push yourself. Everybody there is so supportive. I mean, ultra runners are nothing like marathon runners in, in, I mean, I'm not trying to classify marathon runners as, as being something other than they're not, but there's a lot more support with ultra running. Um,
1: Yeah, marathon running seems more like a competition. It's
2: it's competitive.
1: No, it's It's more competitive. competitive. I'm not saying this isn't competitive, but that's just like, when I hear marathons, like, you want to win the Boston Marathon. Right. You know, like, those guys are training to win this marathon. You're not, like, competing against, like, I'm going to beat you in this 100 miles. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. You're more like, yeah. "Hey, let's do this together. I we mean, can
2: both finish this." Yeah, I mean, the the, the peak performers, sure. Yeah, they're out yeah. there competing, but uh, you know, most of us out there, we just really want to finish and want to have an adventure through it. Um, a lot of people just pushing their own limits. Local, you know, local people. It's yeah, it's an incredible environment, and the the culture there is just it's so positive. And to answer your question about how the course is lighted, so you basically you're, you you have headlamps through the mm. night. There are um, an eight there's an aid station at each end. It's a seven and a half mile out, seven and a half mile back course, and there's an aid station in the middle. So beyond that, you have headlamps, and then it's broken up. The more you do the race, the more you really understand the sections. It is broken up into certain sections, and one section is actually really cool. They take hundreds of pumpkins and line the, the rail trail that it's on, and light the pumpkins at night. That's so awesome That's for cool. hours. When you're coming out and back, you're running through these this, these line of well, they're jack lanterns. I mean, they they have they're all carved. Um, it's such a really cool, unique section and. Because of the way the race flows, people are finishing at thirty and then forty five and sixty. So if you're a hundred mile runner, you get to three AM. I mean there's there's long periods where you're all by yourself, mm-hmm. you know, completely alone, whether you're listening to music or you're just, you know, on your own. And I yeah. I love that. I don't I, I you know, I'm not a social runner. I'm not. Most people are. Most people like to do these things for the social aspect. Really. I love wow. the support of these people here. I you know, I love the group mentality, but I also love being alone out there in the middle of the night.
1: So would you say biking or running's harder? Like, I'm just, I'm really interested in this because I have my both perspective. I feel like running's way harder for me, but biking long distances like that, that seems crazy. I mean, it's five miles
2: gets me tired. I, I think it's a pretty <laughs> subjective question. I think it depends on, on each individual person for me. Um, I find running to be harder because I was always a sprinter I mean I in high school I was a high school sprinter I was on the track team I was you know four by 100 runner never ever saw myself running anything more than a mile ever and it wasn't until... Was this
1: before or after I you mean,
2: won the freshman
1: <laughs> rushing record for Merrimack High School? Which still stands Which today. still stands to this day. <laughs> gotta get yourself this, one of these.
2: Yeah, you know, state championship. <laughs> you come into the brewery, you have, a, you have a few too many drinks, and you start you start talking about uh, oh, yeah. Glory I'll, I'll Days. I'll never
0: forget that story. <laughs> so, Someone gave that guy a trophy. Whoa, that wasn't participation, <laughs> Brendan. Oh no, my yeah, I mean that's that's something I really like to explore
2: is limits. I, you know, I'm not someone who is going to um, you know bury my heart rate, you know, at 200 beats per minute for you know an hour straight to see how far I can sprint. That's just not what I'm into anymore. Um, I want to see time. You know, I want to I want to push it over time and see how what kind of experiences I can get through. And it's similar to a lot of people that that like to hike. You know, they want to do long hikes because they want to they want to experience you know the ups and downs and and how that that plays out um, so how did that start how do you,
0: how do you get into ultra marathoning i
2: feel like yeah i mean I, my wife tells me i'm i'm extra you know she she constantly reminds me you 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 always have to do extra you can't just go out and and go for a short run you got to go out all day and I, once again i'm not elite i'm not i'm mm. not someone out there placing high on podiums you know whether it's bike racing or running you know those days where i actually cared about where i placed i mean it's secondary you know it's neat yeah. It's, it's nice to see when I improve and I, I move up, but I, 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 like, I like the adventure. Um, hmm. my first ultra took place before my first half marathon. I, you know, I, I think I had gone out running, you know, many times just cause I, I, you know, I enjoy exercise, but you know, four or five mile runs, nothing major. And I saw this race once again, the, the race in New Hampshire, the ghost train ultra race. And I figured, Hey, that's, that looks really cool. I would love to, to see what it's like to run through the night, mm. you know, all day, all night. Um, my training consisted of riding a bike and running four or five miles, and I just decided, let's try to do 100 miles. So w- you know, without doing a marathon, without doing a half marathon, I just signed up, and I ended up doing 75 miles that first year. Oh, wow. Um, and just absolutely learning so many lessons destroying my feet Mm. not knowing how to treat my body how to eat right how to drink I knew nothing I just figured hey let's go out there and see how far I can push it I had to stop at 75 I'm convinced you know this there's many times things I've looked at where the next day you're like "Ah, I wish I kept going Mm. um that year no I mean that year I I was done so I stopped at 75 felt really good about it I had a belt buckle on reserve that year, and I had to give up the belt buckle, which was the hardest thing. Mm. Um, I had paid for it in advance, <laughs> kind of, kind of, just you know. God, what are you, the post office? No, well, you not a know, good idea, dude. That's no, not I, a good move. I bet on myself, man. Yeah. I bet yeah. on myself, and <laughs> so the post office. And <laughs> I, I ended up. <laughs>
1: That's true. <laughs> and they lost. And they lost. they lost. huge. Yeah.
2: yeah. So I didn't get my participation trophy for for seventy five miles. Um, but yeah, then I was hooked because I, I got to see what it was like to go through the night. And, and what got me was once again, that 4 a.m. I got to that 4 a.m., finished my 75, my feet were destroyed, and I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to go back out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was it, I was hooked. And at that point, I think I had done, it might have been the same year or right around the same time that I started doing 24-hour bike racing. So I had kind of the mindset of what it took to get through that my t- my first 24-hour bike race was, was really difficult also i was doing it on a team just me and another another teammate of mine and it was just it was a course up up by mount washington where you you ride around the course as many times as you can you trade off as you desire and mm-hmm. it's just it's starts at uh, noon and ends at noon the next day
0: yeah i feel like adam is the testament of just the normal guy you know, for people that don't know him, he's like the most like average-looking person. Oh. You know, just you're just <laughs> you, like what's five, a typical five nine oh, yeah, dude. But all right, so, but it
1: kind of it kind of goes to like the testament, and I think like it's a really good segue into the next part is that like. You're, you know, maybe you're this average guy, as Mike would say, m- more more handsome than he's giving you credit for. But, I mean it in, in a very flattering mean, yeah, way. In the most, hey. you're the most handsome average guy I've ever seen. Well, if well, you're talking about basic New Hampshire guy, this is what we're it, looking at. No man
0: of the north Well, what I love, I love athletes where it just seems like you're everyday guy, yeah. and they just worked hard and they can achieve it. You know, you mm-hmm. see someone like LeBron James. And you're just like, of, of course he's so good. And there's a whole other argument about living up to the expectations that people set for you, which is different. Mm-hmm. And then for the other sure. side is, you know, what are those things where maybe I'm not predisposed to being that t- type of a- athlete, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. I've decided and I've kind of willed myself. So I've i, I always felt like those two kind of stories are equally mm-hmm. inspiring. And it goes into like
1: what I was, what I was gonna go for is the living epic. Mhm. It's like that baseline of the living epic. Adam's the living epic.
0: Yeah, so Adam has a lifestyle brand called the living epic. And tell us about yep. the living epic, man.
2: So, yeah, the living epic is basically, you know, the the kind of the model of it originally it came about was <clears throat> I want to inspire and be inspired. I'm somebody who loves quotes. I I I love, you know, Quotes, photos, all the cheesy stuff that goes along with, with, you know, I've always found empowerment with with quotes. And so The Living Epic originally came about in 2013, Mm -hmm. where it was living epic. There was no the. um, it, It was a verb. Right. Um, that idea was basically a collaborative forum to bring people together that have gone on some good adventures and have some good photos and good stories to share with those adventures, um, whether you're skydiving or, you know, you know, all the the epic stuff you're doing. And once again, it was a verb back then, right. Come a couple years, you know, a lot of things have happened since then. Job changes, um, family changes, things moving along. And so I just always had this still in the back of my head. And in the past two years, I've had a, a lot of. Um, pretty life altering events, things that have come along that really caused me to revisit deeper parts of myself.
1: I feel like I remember, You know when this was really starting up, the living epic, you Mm -hmm. were bringing back. It was kind of like, like you said, you had a fall from grace Mm -hmm. moment where you kind of had the, you know, the cookie cutter job and the cushion (laughs) Not not cookie cutter, but you know, you go. You're the not blue collar, white collar. Is that the right word? I don't know. You had the you had the you had the job as a blue collar worker in a white collar world. There we go. You know, making making that money had the wife and two kids and the picket fence and high school football (laughs) record. That's never. Going away, it's <laughs> never going away. But like, yeah, and then all like shit hits the fan.
2: You know, yeah, I did have a, I did have an issue. Um, I had a couple, couple of arrests for DUI that stacked up over two years. And <clears throat> the first one was, was you know, both are completely, completely within my fault and mm. completely, you know, I take full ownership. Right. First one was a was a, was a bad circumstance. The second one was just absolute stupidity to put myself in a circumstance where. you right. um, with the with the second one that happened you know the instant it happened was the realization that i was losing my job and you had know, a good job I, I had what i what i thought at the time was a very good career in facility management for a private entity making you know pretty good money very secure money i will say you know on the surface things looked really good things on the surface for me felt really good if i had just scratched a little bit deeper at the time i would it's so obvious now at this point that i was I was fighting a lot of demons and I was dealing with a lot of stress under the surface. It wasn't so obvious then. And, was you know,
0: it, was there like a focal point of the stress? Was it just an all encompassing? The job was very stressful.
2: The job, okay. the, you know, the on-call requirements, the, the constantly being tied to my phone mm. was, was, was tough. And, and it was, it was manifesting in, in ways that were causing, you know, a lot of Kind of deeper seated anger in me mm. um, was causing me to drink more. And I think, you know, the the two arrests were just at the time, it, you know, it wasn't nothing peaked to a point that it was, it was, you know, it was not a, an abusive alcoholic or anything like that right, whatsoever. Right. There were issues that were not being visited by me that were being kept in the dark and the ultra running and bike link, bike, uh, cycling at the time I was using as a tool to fight those demons. And I'm thankful that I, I was doing it, but they were just keeping things at bay enough, and keeping the stress at bay enough that it wasn't fully surfacing. It was masking. I was I was masking a lot, and that's a that's a phrase I used a lot afterwards was the the mask. You mm-hmm. know, I was putting on masks at night. I was instead of dealing with my stress head on, I was um, I was keeping it at bay by sitting down and watching TV and drinking, and then yeah, sure I'd go out and run, right, long distances and bike long distances, um, but just to keep that little bit at bay and. There was, yeah, I mean, there was, there was frustration mounting. There were things happening that I was, I was ignoring, and, I mean, it's been, it's been a year and a half since, since that second arrest. Yeah, um, a, a lot certainly has. I've dug really deep at myself, and once again revisited this whole living epic idea, and, mm-hmm. and so it brought back to the idea of okay, what can I do with this? So right now, you know, the living epic is a. I you know I want to develop it into a lifestyle brand. It's still more of
0: an ideal. Well, I love the fact that you keep thinking about it because mm-hmm. I mean you like quotes, and it reminds me of one of my favorite uh, Churchill quotes: "Is uh, never go, never give up on something you can't go a day without thinking about." Mm-hmm. And I've Good. always thought about that. I thought about it. You know, even with my wife, you know, we're long distance for three years, and people are like, "Oh, you keep doing it." And it's like I think about her all the time. Of course I am. Yep. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not even a, a question. It's not this pros and cons chart like it never came that it was just like i keep thinking about this like this is what i want in my life and what else am i supposed to do exactly right yeah
2: Yeah. and it's usually pretty hard you know it's usually pretty difficult everything Um, is hard i mean life is hard said
0: that and it's i feel like any story if you actually like peel back the layer it's never this easy packaged i think that's a construction that people make to think about like oh this is how it should be and it never is Mm mm-hmm and anytime like someone like feeds me something like that i'm like this is horseshit not interested yep. Yep. people are like oh you don't want to. it's like it's basically the equivalent of small talk to me i'm just, like oh you did you did that great you <laughs> yeah. got a really good job awesome like i want it. small talk i want to hear about how you're crying at the library damn right you know your sophomore year because like you failed a test and now you think like your parents are going to cut you off from your tuition money and like you're never gonna Hell do it yeah. like i want to hear that story like yeah. i don't care that you're like a fancy lawyer Yep. I want to hear the Rudy stories. I want to hear the
2: comebacks. I want to hear the redemption stories in a lot of ways. The living Epic was brought back forcefully because of all this. Mm. And I got really into stoic thought and I still really am into stoic thought. Um, the writings of Marcus Aurelius, the writings of Epictetus, uh, just they're in, incredible, you know, incredible philosophers from long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing that really attached to me early on, when I was trying to find a way out of this, um, trying to hold my family together, trying to trying to keep things together, knowing I was going to be losing my job, was the idea by Marcus Aurelius that the impediment to action advances action was was his original quote, the obstacle is the way through. That's been reversed by mm-hmm. a couple of writers since then but basically it's you have a challenge the way to beat that challenge is to go straight at it straight through it mm. so i've kind of embraced that and at the time when things were you know crashing down around me i really embraced that that idea that you know what i have to feel this all in in all its pain and i have to just completely face it and you know the challenge for me at the time was with the second arrest i chose not to let my employer know right away i was able to still do my job fully i was yep. able to push back the legal obligations enough and i lost my license and i'm a cyclist yeah so <laughs> you laugh.
1: how convenient I ru- <laughs> yeah, it was easy riding 50 miles to yeah. work every day like no one else can do that so just and anyone else you know. can do it okay. you know yeah. if,
2: if you have to do it you can and that's the that's whole thing fair. if you have to do it you can do it and that's that's what i did for for a handful of months i just i took one day at a time woke up super early got my ass to work wow. you know, on the bike through all sorts of weather yeah worked all day and then got my ass home and just and knew knew what was coming ahead
0: god that and must have
2: been stressful it, when I yeah remember. carrying that weight was tough it yeah. was tough and then dealing dealing with you know the fallout and you know making amends to a lot of people i had to make amends to sure yeah. you know friendships that i just let go that weren't even, you know, an issue with, with, they were an issue obviously, but, but it, once again, it made me realize the things I was ignoring. So I'm trying to pull things back together, keep my, Family together. Mm-hmm. Figure out how I'm going to keep my house. Figure out what's going to happen after I lose this job. And you know, indefinitely, I yeah, I had to go to jail. So yeah. you knew you were going to lose your job eventually. There was a there's a time frame. I I was about ninety percent in my mind they were going to let me go. They knew I had one arrest before that for DUI. Gotcha. And I had I had come completely clean to them about that, and they supported mm-hmm. me through it. You know, and and you knew you were going to go to jail at a later time. And I knew. Yeah. Oh, okay. it was, yeah. Yeah. With the legal thing because of the there was so many, you know, within a couple, if you have two within a couple of years, then right. you automatically have to go. Right. Um, it ups sense. the offense, which makes total sense. Sure. Um, so yeah, I knew it was a matter of, of, am I going to go for 30 days? Am I going to go for 90 days? Mm-hmm. Um, and when, and how can I, how can I do this? And there right. were some other complications with the timing of that, you know, with work. And if I had, was able to stay for a couple more months, then I was up for a bonus and, you know, things that I was trying to stretch out right. for myself and for my family, because that's right. what we all do. We sure. want to, we want to make it work did the job to my full effect had no my employer had no idea what was going on the stress i was dealing with because i did my job i showed right. up every day right. and then eventually i, I came clean mm-hmm. um after about five months i just I said today's a day i'm doing it I'm, I'm i'm talking to my boss and i'm yeah i don't want to carry this weight anymore hmm. so i did it and within two days um, yeah. that was it i was asked to leave and then it was just a matter of, okay.
0: So know. was it yeah, before you falling. got the bonus? Was it, uh, no, nah, it was before I got the bonus. Oh, okay. Yep. So yep. you definitely took the, uh, Marcus Aurelius, the heart. You're, I did. You're just like, yeah. I, I just got to go full, I did. full into this. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, you mm. know, looking back, it's hard to say, you know, at first when I looked back, I'm like, oh, I regret not. I could have waited another month. Right. I could have gotten the bonus and lit and, I would have basically, with the way the timing stacked up, I would have gotten that bonus and then gone to jail two days later. So I would have, oh, wow. I would have left my employer with two days' notice and right. that, and that to me, that's not the right thing to do to any employer. I right. Think. And, and I, I, I felt firmly character-wise, I was not going to do that to them. I was not going
0: to just. Did you I, wrestle with that? A I mean, because I, I feel yeah. like that, yeah. you know, that's the natural thing to do because I mean, you also have a, obligations, you have a family. Yeah. I did. I read a long time. I did. I mm-hmm. mean, I you know, when 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 it first happened, I feel like something like that you can justify it either way.
2: Yeah, a day you or know? two a day yeah. or two later I was ready, but you know, when it first happened I wanted to go march right into my boss's office and just basically put my head on the chopping block and say, this is what's happened. I'm ready to take whatever I'm at your mercy. And I had a a good friend of mine who talked me off that ledge. And basically he just, he said, you, you, you don't have to do that. You can let's let's just relax, just, just relax, get to work every day, figure out what's going to come of this, figure out legal and, and we'll see what happens. Yep. So it's like, over 3000 miles of riding to and from work. You know, there were some afternoons my wife was able to pick me up on the way home, but every morning getting up and going, never I told her right when it happened I said you're not driving me to work. You're not. No, I'll, I'll figure this out. Right. Like, just stick around, please. Like, right, right, right. Please right. stick around. I'm, you know, sure. you can't say I'm sorry enough and and I'm going to I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix what I've done and right. and uh, she's been amazing. I yeah. can't I mean, but in the end, yeah, no, I did I did my head out there earlier than I, I had to. I, I mean I don't you
0: know. No, I mean that makes you know. sense to me because you're still doing your job, so yeah. you're getting compensated for doing something that they need done. Yep. And, you know, it is a burden to an employer to have to look for someone else. Yep. So if you can continue to do it, but you know, I mean I would say that that's an honorable thing of you didn't take more than what you thought was fair. Yeah. So, I mean,
2: and they did the, they did the right thing in the end, you know, I didn't fault them. I didn't, you know, I had that awkward meeting I got called into, you know, a day or two after I told my boss, I got called into HR and it was pouring rain that day. And I had to ride, ride my bike from my building that I worked at across town to the office building. And even then I didn't, I'm like, all right, I'm going to HR. They know, Right. I'm like, they're not going to let me go right now. Right. The second I got an entire office of stuff. I got personal items. I got, yeah,
0: it's you know, raining outside.
2: I have, I have, I have vendors that are, I'm responsible for. I got budgets. I haven't written. I got things that I like, you yeah. guys need me. Right. And, and no, I rode my bike over there in the rain. The meeting lasted about five minutes mm-hmm. and basically the best thing they could do at the time. They're like, do you want us to call a taxi? Wow. And yeah. I said, Nope. I'm, yeah. I got 30 miles to get home. Um, I'm going. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Hopped on the bike in the rain. And ironically, I stopped at a bus station right, right after I left, left the job. And there was a bus station near, near my work. So I stopped there to, you know, call my wife and just let her know this, Hey, it's happening. You know, that it's finally after, you know, five months, I'm like, it's chips are falling. Mm -hmm. So here we go. This is what we've been, we've been kind of waiting for. And at the bus station in the background was Creedence Clearwater. (laughs) <laughs> have you ever seen The Rain? Oh, man. And now when I hear that song, I'm like, fuck God you. Damn. Fuck you.
1: <laughs>
2: what I've learned in the past year plus, you know, year and a half now, it's unbelievable. I mean, mm-hmm. I have I have dug deep, really deep at things that I was ignoring for a long time. Right. Um, I realized that I spent 15 plus years not growing as a person and only growing my career and not not exploring deeper parts of myself. And mm. in the end, I, well, at, at that time, I thought this is just what I'm doing. I'm doing a great job. I'm, I'm building this career, I'm making money, and this is what people do. And I've come to realize how much I was ignoring and now how valuable what I've been doing is. And I'm I'm, so th- I'm thankful. I mean, I'm thankful. If I, if I this didn't happen and I was still in that position and I was carrying that stress, I don't wanna be that person. I don't I don't want to be that person that I would be right now or that I would have become 5 10 years from now. I don't want to be that. I'm so much happier the person I am now mm-hmm. than than I what I was becoming and what I was then. And it took Unfortunate circumstances and and things that are still you know I'm still dealing with the fallout completely every day. Um, I didn't drive here, right. you know. I mean it's that's yeah. all that's all part of it. Um, Don't
1: make me laugh. <laughs> Don't make me laugh when you're we, saying we, something we, like that. No, no we can laugh. Kidding, about I
0: know. It. So did you do the, the hundred mile run? Yes, I did. So the oh, way whoa. it's
2: the way it lined up was was I was going to jail four days after the hundred mile run, and oh, wow. I I told myself this is. I'm, I'm going to embrace this run and this is going to be my moment to just, I need this. I yeah. needed it so bad after, it, after the year I had, I needed that run so bad.
0: I mean, that's, um, I mean, doing 24 hours of running with nothing but your thoughts. I mean, what mm-hmm. are you thinking when you're going to jail four days four later? Days, yeah, it was
2: pretty, it like, was, what goes yeah. through your mind? Like, what do you, yeah,
0: I mean, I'm not, and I don't want to overstate
2: it. I mean, there's people out there that, that, I mean, deal with so much more. I mean, God, I mean, it's, you know.
0: No, but I mean, I think there's always a profound, uh, regardless of how serious it is, there is something that happens to people when something is very finite. I can remember vividly where I was on a beach in California when I mentally decided I was moving to New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. You know, it had been Mm -hmm. on the table for a while, but there's like this moment where you're like, I'm going to do this. Like I've, like I told myself. And I remember sitting on a beach and that was the best beach experience because when you live in Southern California, you can go to the beach whenever you want. But that day was special to me. And I always remember that day because I knew I wasn't always going to have it. Yep. So I think having this impending date of, you know, what happens in jail, like who knows what, what's going to happen, you know, it's,
2: uh, well, part of me, part of me also, and I'm not this i'm not lying about this i mean i said it to a couple of people before it's i was genuinely interested in that experience of going to jail of going to jail because it was done it was going to happen right. i had i had to embrace it you know i had i completely embraced the thought that it was happening right. and it's an experience as part of um you know my living epic it's there my epic i mean that's that's part that i'm not only going to learn its lessons i want to what is this like you know mm. not everyone gets to go or should go.
1: Sucks. <laughs> but it fucking but, but sucks. it's like so living going go like? to
0: jail.
2: But I, I went into um Yeah. Yeah. I, I so I, I yeah, I went into that race with the yeah, n- knowing that I'm gonna have a lot of time to think and I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, I'm this is my last time that I'm gonna be out in the wild mm. and not knowing where I was gonna be after the after jail. Am I am I move what am I gonna am I gonna keep my house? What am I doing? Right. I went out um I set a good pace I felt really good the whole the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, ha- I was in good shape because I have been riding all summer right. to and from work, but I wasn't running. It's very different when you transfer from riding to running. It's totally different muscles you're using. You might be in great cardiovascular shape, which certainly helps, but um, different muscles. So I hadn't been training for running only for a couple of weeks. Mm. I think I had run like 40 miles up until the 100 mile run. So it's like, all right, let's just see how it goes. I, yeah, I set a good pace, tried my mindset like always was get to the night and then Get through the the journey of the night, and I yeah I had a moment. There's one hill in that race. It's a I mean it's a rail trail run, but there is one hill that you have to climb. And this was probably mile seventy ish. And I'm hiking up this trail, and it's super foggy. It's the dead of night. You know it's that it's that New England dew in the air. Mm. Um, everything's reflecting because your headlamp's jumping off all the dew, and and the air was just perfect. And I just yeah I had a really profound, just moment of complete peace. I just, you know, I realized, you know, in three days I'm going to this place and the air smelled great and everything looked great and I felt good and I was 70 miles into a hundred mile run knowing I was going to make it the hundred miles and it was going to be my fastest time at the time. And, um, yeah, I think I, out loud, I, I was talking to myself and I'm just like, I fucking love this. Like, I love this. I'm like, this is the core of me. Like I've dug so deep in the past year into myself and into what makes me tick and what did I do wrong? What can I fix? What do I need to learn? And then all, it just all came perfectly funneled to that moment, climbing up that Hill. And it was just like, ah, oh, like this is, I love this. You yeah. like I don't care what place I'm in. I don't care. Like I want to do this more. I want, like, I love this journey. I love this right here. And mm-hmm. I'm only here because I brought myself here. nobody, you know, this is, I've earned this and I'm, and I have a long ways to go in this race and in life and in, in you know, the challenge ahead, but it was perfect. It was just so nice. Right. Um, and it was exactly that moment. It was your moment on the beach. It was, yeah. it was that.
0: That's so interesting to think about because you, you would have never have found that moment maybe for the rest never. of your life if you kept that career track because. Totally. Yep. I mean, and, know, and there's countless. it was only because of those variables you could have gotten there.
2: Yeah. And there's countless moments ahead and things that I've felt since then that, that, like I'm so far removed from from that job at this point. You know, the moment that I lost that job, the next day I woke up and I reached for my phone and I realized in a second, in an instant, this phone isn't going to the alarms aren't going to go off. Mm. I'm not going to be called in. I'm not going to be and the peace that I felt from that stress being removed was equal if not better than the loss that I felt of losing the job. It was that that hard and stressful and I just had carried it silently for so long as part of life and then when it was gone it was like this isn't for me
0: my wife's dad just retired he was a plastic surgeon for you know 20 30 years and I remember going to his retirement party and was like hey you know are you looking forward to this he's like no not really and because this is the life that he chose Mm -hmm. and he wanted to do it and he liked doing it and you know you're just not sure of what that next step is gonna be and you know later on talking to him after he had been retired you know one of the things that he mentioned that he enjoyed was the stress relief because like you said it's kind of this hidden thing that you know he's always worried about patients Mm -hmm. and so you're always on this alert of I have to make sure that someone is you know recovering okay Mm -hmm. and even if it goes well it's still in the back of your mind that something could happen and I have to be there for them and it's one of those things where in the moment you would say no i'm not stressed like everything's just going the way that's always gone but once you let it go which can only happen when you actually let it go you know not going on vacation for a week you know then you're like oh i didn't realize how stressed i was about that yep because vacation you
2: carry it right i mean any vacation i took it was right there with me i'd get called on vacation all the time Mm -hmm. um in the end i was owned by that building Right. And, and I paid for it in a lot of many, in many ways. And this, this big thing that happened was, you know, I, I look at it as, um, you know, it's like a divine storm.
0: I mean, it was something that was just, I'm yeah, I mean, it's weird to say, I'm glad it happened, but you saying that you're interested in going to jail, I'm kind of fascinated by like, that was my mindset of joining the army. I wanted to go to Iraq. I wanted to be deployed because I wanted the experience. Mm-hmm. It was just like this rite of passage for me, and it was right when the war started, and so everyone has opinions about it. But I, you, you know, somewhere in there, I was like, "We're all college students. No one's done anything." Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I want to do something. I want to see it. Like yep. I, you know, I have to see it. I'm just wired that way. It's like I need, I, I need mm-hmm. to see it.
1: Right. Not saying I spent much time in jail, but <laughs> I I spent like a couple of days, and I was like, dude. Th- it kind of sucks. Yeah. Just a warning. Yeah. I just, I was yeah. like, I'm just giving you a warning. It's
2: not like this fucking. No. So basically, I mean, you, you know, they give you a report date. Um, I didn't go right from court or anything. So I had a report date. So yeah, no, I just showed up and said, yep, I'm here. I'm, I'm here for, for jail. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they. I mean, yeah, they take you in and and. Are they
0: nice to you? Is it like going to the DMV? They're like, all right, here's your ticket. Um, wait over there. I, I mean, they were all right
2: with yeah. me. You know, it's just it's it's business right. kind of in a, in a sense. Um, Did they make you do the squat? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. malt Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: They got. They got to make you squat daily. and cough daily. So that I had
2: to. Yeah, I eventually had a had a job where, I um I had to move outside, you know, outside the building on my own. You know, there's obviously cameras everywhere, but I had to 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 walk from one end of the building to the other outside. And so because of that, I leave the building. When I come back in, yeah, it's a, it's a full on strip shirt search. This was later on in my stay. I was living in a a wing that was at one end, and the job I had was was a you know a cleaning job that was at the front. end end of the facility. So I had to, to literally walk outside and walk around to the front because they, rather than have someone walk me through the entire facility, Mm. um, to get to that point. And you get that job if you're trusted. I mean, my crime was not something that they were afraid I was going to take off. And if I did, it's automatic two years on top of that. So I I wasn't going anywhere, but yeah, when you come back inside, you know, they're worried about people obviously getting something from the outside something as stupid as picking up cigarette butts from a parking lot people actually smuggle them in half smoking cigarettes from a parking lot yeah by getting that job i was blessed with the opportunity to be strip searched every day nice so, <laughs> <that> was...
1: <laughs> they're like yeah we're not afraid of you running away so you're just gonna get sick yeah just like I every
0: day <laughs> um, just like i imagined it in the yeah, forest got an ultra nope. marathoner yeah. here <laughs> hey what's your workout plan <laughs> i went in days after
2: running the ultra i was still sore from from running the hundred and i went in and of course you're not running when you're in there so it's like shit you know Man, yeah right. i'm in, i'm in peak shape and I, yeah. you know in a month you lose that
0: you could did, smuggle something with those glutes
2: <laughs> did a lot of push-ups a lot of sit-ups and that's really all you can kind of do in there yeah um you read a lot i read a lot yeah did they have yeah. like a library there so yeah or the wing or? i was in had had a, a whole room that you know about the size of this room that's full of books. Okay. Um, and yeah, know I was through that every day. So I read, um, I think, 20 books. I made a list of all the books I'd read. Oh, wow. Um, and that's kind of started my reading journey was when I was in, you know, I'd been reading a lot before from from my rest you know, yeah. trying to learn, trying to, you know, really, you know, once again, reading a lot of the stoic writing, reading some newer thoughts and and you know some a lot of self-growth type of stuff and then when i went in there i really just embraced the time to read really really nice if you have nothing to do all day <laughs> yeah no really and that yeah i mean it, there's a very strict schedule mm. um you know the one thing the the you know you wake up um 5 a.m and the first thing i would hear that would wake me up was someone yelling into our unit and breakfast <laughs> And so that that sound, like I still hear that in my head, and just breakfast. It's like, oh God, does it feel dangerous? Did no. you ever feel? Do you have a
0: cellmate?
2: No. So when when you like that? yeah, so when you when you go, no matter what you're going in for, mm-hmm. um, they automatically send you to to their maximum unit. Um, okay. It's part of their R and D department. So you you go in, and that's you have your own cell, but it's maximum lockdown. So you're on lockdown um, 22 hours a day in your cell. And yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that sucks. I mean, that's the classic, you know, what you kind of picture as the classic jail experience. Um,
1: going crazy because you're yeah, by yourself yeah. in a cell. Yeah.
2: And you're, and you're, okay. you know, you're mixed in with people at that point that are in your unit. Like I said, you're in your own cell, right. for, but then you're out two hours of the day and you're mixed in with people that are, you know, yeah. I mean, there's murderers that are in there for, for temporary until they're actually going to prison, you know, gotcha. before they're, but there's, yeah, there's some heavy hitters that are in that unit. And at that point I went in having no, you know, I've never, I don't, I didn't really get in trouble in my life with anything. And so yeah, I head down just, I would walk around the unit and do laps and no one gave me any problems. I mean, mm. you just, you don't look anyone in the eye and sure. you know, you only speak if you're spoken to and you, you know, you don't take anything that people offer. You don't, I, for me, people, you know, there's a lot of trading, tons of trading of food and stuff mm. like that for me. It's like, no, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm good. Right. They put me in there and usually you stay in there for, you know, a day or two or whatever, depending on, on where they're going to send you, which unit they'll send you to. Oh,
0: this is the um, solitary. This is this. Yeah. Yeah. The, oh, okay. So yeah. it wasn't th- 30 days of solitary. No. This is no. A, like an in processing. Yes. Point. So
2: gotcha. it's basically their, yeah, they're secondary, but they put you in processing and you're in one room sharing with other people, which I was only in for four hours. And then yeah. they send you to the, that maximum. Gotcha. And so I would, Yeah. So I should have only been there in a day or two because they were gonna eventually send me to a much lighter unit based Mm -hmm. on on, on the crime. And I mean, the social worker told me, he's like, oh, I forgot about you. (laughs) He left me in there for six days. (laughs) So yeah, I spent six days in that unit. Yeah, and that was just literally doing push-ups and reading. Just there's nothing else to do. There's nothing to do. There's a handful of very successful ultra marathon runners who have spent considerable amount of time in prison for for not violent crimes. Um, there's a a big runner charlie engel who spent multiple years in prison for a um, mortgage scheme Hmm. and in prison he kind of honed his ultra running skills and his mindset and when i was seeing some of these guys and the way they dealt with their maximum if they could if they could channel their mindset after if they could never run a mile in their life and then go into this place if they could just channel the mindset they developed in there Mm. to running they could be great they could be you know their mindset would be great
0: um interesting
2: yeah so i think going in it helped me but i think a lot of the guys that go in you can hone that because time is very different in there i mean time ticks very differently especially in that maximum area you know i went in there wanting wanting to experience and, and learn because i had to do it and so when i was moved from that maximum area i went into a what is now i went from the worst part as far as like you know you're locked down all the time to the easiest part where i had my own my own room. It wasn't even like a cell. The door didn't lock. We were in a unit that, you know, the the main door locked there, but I had my own room. We had like, you know, a microwave in the whole area. We had, you know, it was, it was really actually nice. It was more like, like apartment living. I had like 14 other guys that were in that unit that were all, um, some of them had, had done some, some crimes, some heavier stuff in the past, but they weren't in there for that. They, you have to earn your way to this point to be in that, that unit. And so after a couple days you know i started to get to know some of the guys that were in my unit and you know i use the word trust very very lightly trust is the point where i'm going to have conversations and get to know these guys a little bit better and what i did learn from a lot of them is yeah the drug culture and i had you know i i've never been a user you know at all like i just i'm not so this was a whole new world to me to meet these guys and a lot of them yeah were homeless and um, had no plans on on you know once they got out they were going right back to using and that was their life and and they were more comfortable in jail than they were on the streets and I, I met with one guy who I did get to know he actually you know he, he was a family guy around my age you know he had done something pretty stupid to get in there and he owned up to it and he was ready to move on he couldn't wait to see his face you know he was genuinely he was a good guy but really smart really book smart type of guy and he had he was a user also he had recovered at that point he wasn't going back to that that life he was in there for something else but he knew a lot about about people that had come in and with his own experience and then with the people that were there he he taught me a lot and here's me with this existential crisis of what just happened and I'm learning about myself and so I had different eyes to this and these guys I was empathetic towards them as young guys and it's like Mm. you guys you just like you haven't been able to learn from your mistakes yet yeah and and they're stuck in that cycle and you know when they return they return to the same streets they left right the
0: same friends they don't you know but it's like how is that different than having a a well-paying job and you're basically, you know, a slave to it to get, like, that promotion or that new oh, car yeah. oh, or yeah. that euphoric whatever it is. And then once you get it, it's like, oh, that's great. But now I got to, like, go back and do, like, all these things that I hate. Toxic stress. You, you it's know addicting. what I mean? It, it's, it's, it's different, but it's the same. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like you're chasing these moments and you're sacrificing so much to get this little peak. It's something that's culturally accepted. So everyone's like we should be doing that you have to work your ass off so you can get that bmw mm-hmm. and it's like okay mm-hmm. i got it now what and no one has an answer for you well what now and it's mm-hmm. like well now you got to get the better bmw and you're like Line. and, you and know. how
2: many people don't realize they're stuck already in that cycle
0: but i think that's like where it comes back to uh the living epic mm-hmm. because if you're if you're living epic is essentially the story of your life it's mm-hmm. not the end result what is the story that got you there yep embrace it
1: Holy shit, the impressive. living epic. It's the story of your yeah, life. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like that. well, that's a tag, I'm sorry. Is that the you know, tagline? The tagline is, this is my epic. So I actually, okay. yeah, I mean, we're kind of going right back to my jail experience. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was doing push-ups on my cell floor, and I was thinking about the living epic. I was thinking about where I want to be in life after this. And I actually, I had a journal that I was keeping in there, and I wrote, you know, my own expectations of what I wanted to do when I got out. And this is my epic was something I just, I'm like, you know what, man, this is my epic. And I was like, well, shit, that's a tagline right there. This is my epic. Something great happens. This is my epic. This is, this is part of my story. This is just, this is it. Um, adam dodge you're epic yeah <laughs> like,
1: geez
0: man holy That's... crap i had like a down week you know I, I was you know lethargic for some reason i was like kind of depressed i'm like man maybe you know maybe i'm just sad this week you know sometimes it happens but having you on is, is definitely been an inspiration so awesome i appreciate doing what that. you're doing man
1: yeah seriously thank you so much adam thanks for coming on check us out StimulusPodcast.co. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Facebook. Check out the Living Epic. Do you, what's your Instagram handle? The Living Epic. And what's the Instagram or what's the Twitter handle?
2: The Living Epic. What's one. the? It was <laughs> a one in the Twitter handle. Had to put it there.
1: That's fair. But,
2: yeah, but dude, Facebook Living Epic. Honestly,
1: if you want to learn more, the website should be you know up shortly. It's under construction okay. right now, but. Dude, it's been awesome having you on, Adam. You know we love you. You're my two-time fantasy football champion at the end of the day. (laughs) Drafts on Monday. But, hey, I'm Brendan. And I'm Mike. And I'm the Living Epic. And this is the Stimulus Podcast.